the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah, in the middle of the verses of Ramadan, in the middle of the verses of fasting. And I want to set up the, the, the land or the lay of the land for this verse, where some of the companions, they came to the Prophet wasallam and they said, Ya Rasulullah, أَقَرِيبٌ رَبُّنَا فَنُنَاجِيَهُ أَمْ بَعِيدٌ فَنُنَادِيَهُ That is our Lord close so that we can have a private, intimate conversation with Him? Or is our Lord far away that we need to call out upon Him? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse. Now what we want to look at over here, my dear brothers and sisters, is how did this verse get into the middle of the verses of the verses of Ramadan and the verses of fasting? As we all know, my dear brothers and sisters, the month of Ramadan is transformational. People that did not pray are now praying. People that did not fast are now fasting. People that were distant from the deen are now coming back. And that is the month when people reevaluate their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that is how this verse actually fits in. So each and every one of us is required in this month of Ramadan to reevaluate their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They need to ask themselves, where do I stand with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's phenomenal if you look at the analysis of our predecessors. They said that if you want to look at your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Look at where you stand with his speech, with his book, with making dua to him. How big of a priority is it for you to pray on time? All of those things are indicative of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this month of Ramadan, when we are reassessing our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not about the way that we feel. Feelings will always change. Sometimes you will eat or drink something, it will make you feel good. Sometimes you will eat or drink something, it will make you feel bad. That doesn't change your iman whatsoever. Your iman is based upon the deeds that you do. The deeds that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants tawfiq for. Only to those whom He loves. If you were to leave with nothing from this conference, my dear brothers and sisters, except for this one statement. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the dunya to everyone. Muslim and non-Muslim. But he only gives the deen, he only gives ibadah to those whom he loves. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided you to that, this is indicative of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love for you. And this is why it is so important to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the blessing of worshipping him, particularly in this month of Ramadan. This is why Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, he says that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided you to gratitude, this is a blessing within of itself that deserves further gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is what we need to focus on. Now what I wanted to share with you my dear brothers and sisters, building on this topic of dua, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, call upon me and I will answer you, what does that mean exactly? وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ ادْعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ that your Lord has proclaimed, call upon me and I will answer you. The Prophet ﷺ was once with his companions, encouraging them, increase in your dua, frequently make dua. For surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer your dua in one of three ways. Either He gives you what you want, when you want it. Or He delays it till a time that it is better for you. Or in fact, what you're asking for is not good for you at all. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala withholds from you what you're asking for. 
but he averts from your life an equal amount of evil and magnifies your reward. Now let's look at these three responses from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number one, you get what you want when you want it. Allahu Akbar. Isn't that the ideal situation? Isn't that what we all want? But let us focus on some of the words of our predecessors that said, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you everything that you wanted when you wanted it, who would be the master and who would be the slave? At the end of the day, we are the slaves of Allah. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers our dua, this is a benevolence and kindness from our master upon us. And we should not develop the mindset that every time I call upon Allah, I need to be answered in the fashion that I want at the time that I want. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control. Number two, building upon this very sentiment. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he used to say, Oh Allah, I do not know what is good for me. You only know what is good for me. And this is why sometimes when we're making dua for something, we may want it so badly, but now is not the time to get it. You want to get a particular job, you want to get into a particular program, you want to get married to a particular person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that if those things were to happen, that perhaps it would take you away from Allah. It would take you away from the deen. You're not strong enough to handle the tests and trials that come with that gift. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delays it till a time that it is better for you. And then the third one, that what you're asking for is not good for you. And this is why it is so important to have a deep-rooted iman in the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because when that test comes and you keep making dua and your dua isn't being answered and you start wondering, what am I doing wrong? But we forget to think that perhaps there is no good in what I'm asking for and thus I have not been granted it. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he shares something very profound. He says, people will show up on the day of judgment with mountains of reward. And they will be perplexed. They will ask, oh Allah, where did this reward come from? We do not remember any grandiose deed that we did that we would deserve such a reward. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds them that this is the reward of your patience when you made dua and it was not answered. Now what will the people respond at that time? Will they be like shucks? We wish our duas were answered. Not at all. They respond, oh Allah, we wish none of our duas were answered. That will be the response. Because that is the beauty of the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity. He always gives us better than we ask for and more than we ask for. And when He doesn't give us, He replaces it with something much, much better than we can even possibly imagine. And He concludes, rahimahullah, with this beautiful statement that if you lived your whole entire life making dua to Allah and not a single dua was answered, you're still in a privileged position. What is that? That you can live your life saying that you're living a life of purpose. You have fulfilled your purpose of creation and worshiping Allah through making dua to Him, even if He didn't answer your duas. And this is something that the vast majority of mankind cannot say in truth, that they're living their lives filled with purpose. Now what I want to conclude my lecture with, my dear brothers and sisters, before we break for Salat al-Maghrib, is this simple story of Adam and Iblis. We're all familiar with it. Both Adam and Iblis made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Adam alayhi salam, he made a mistake, he didn't know how to repent, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide him how to repent. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught him the dua, رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِلَّمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ 
Iblis, he made a mistake and he doubled down. He too made dua and he said, Rabbi, anzirni ila yawmin yub'athun, that my Lord give me respite till the day of judgment. Both of them make dua. Let's analyze these duas. Adam salam, when he makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is focused on spirituality, it is focused on his akhirah, it's focused on forgiveness. Iblis, when he makes dua, it's purely based upon the life of this world. And this teaches us that the prophetic model of making dua is focusing on your akhirah. And balance in making dua is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us to make dua. With Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana waqina adhab nar that oh, our Lord grant us the best of this life, the best of the next, and save us from the punishment of the hellfire. Two-thirds of your dua is for your akhirah, one-third of it is for the dunya, and that is the guideline that we should follow in all of our duas. Then the satanic model is to only make dua for your dunya. And this is something important to look at, because it's such a noble act, but there's still a satanic model affiliated with it. That you only ask Allah for a better job, for a better house, for a better car, for a better spouse, and everything related to this dunya, but you do not ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Jannah, or protection from Jahannam, or for forgiveness. All of that is neglected. And what a shame that is when you ask from a generous Lord that is willing to give you whatever you ask for. So never be like the followers of shaitan that will only make dua for their dunya and will not care about their akhirah. Number two, look at their attitude after they've made dua. Adam salam, he repented and he focused on his improvement, wanting to be the best slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala possible. Iblis makes his dua, has it answered, and neglects and forgets about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I want us to be genuine and authentic with ourselves right now and focus on ourselves for just a moment. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers our du'as. Does this increase us in our worship and we follow the footsteps of our forefather father Adam alayhi salam? Or when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers our du'a, we become heedless and neglectful till the next time we need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something to focus on. The true slave of Allah will constantly call upon Allah in prosperity and in adversity. The individual that follows the footsteps of shaitan will only call upon in moments of adversity. Number three is that both Adam and Iblis recognized their direct connection with Allah. Adam salam, he wants his dua answered. He doesn't go to the angels and say, oh angels intercede for me. He doesn't say, oh angels make dua for me that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives me. He approached Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. Iblis Likewise, with his knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he didn't go to Adam and say, you are the first of Allah's creation, Allah has forgiven you. You're a pious man, make dua for me, intercede for me. He too approached Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. And that is what knowledge does. The beauty of our faith is our direct connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when we ask of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always near. We just need to call out. The Prophet of Allah understood this. And the worst of Allah's creation understood this. And we need to understand this as well. And the last point I want to share with you, and this is perhaps the most important point of these four points, that we can understand why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered the dua of Adam alayhi salam. 
a Nabi of Allah, a Prophet of Allah, a righteous man repented, is fixing his ways. But why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answer the dua of Iblis? There is no righteousness in him left. Why does he answer it? And this is the mistake that we make when we make dua. It becomes so transactional that, oh Allah, I've been righteous, I've been good, answer my dua please. Forgetting that the Prophet says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is shy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is shy to turn away the hands of his slave empty-handed. Allahu Akbar. That it's not about us. It is about the generosity and kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in our moments of despair, in our moments of sin, in our moments of feeling distant, if Iblis understood that he could turn to Allah and have his dua answered, there is not a single person in this room, in this city, in this country, in this continent, on this planet that has committed more sins than Iblis. And that is something to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not look at our sins, for surely none of us would be worthy of having our duas answered at that time. And dua is always about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Him loving this act and Him being generous and kind. Now let's focus on that last part of the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That those individuals that turn away from my worship shall enter the hellfire in the state of humiliation. Why is humiliation specified over here? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from being humiliated in this life and the next. Allahumma ameen. It is because it is truly the arrogant, truly the deluded, truly the vain and the proud that will think that they are self-sufficient and independent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The slave of Allah will always recognize his and her dependency upon Allah. That they are in constant and dire need of Allah. And if you forget this, this is an indication of pride. It is an indication of a lack of humility. It is an indication of a lack of understanding of the relationship of the master and the slave. My dear brothers and sisters, up until this time, we may have fallen short in making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Up until this time, we may not be of those that make dua to Allah in times of prosperity like they do in adversity. But this is the beauty of Allah's mercy and His forgiveness and His kindness to us. That He gives us more time to change. He gives us more time to change. You don't have to wait till this 27th night of Ramadan. You don't have to wait till the beginning of Ramadan. Every single night Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heavens in a, ma in a fashion that is befitting His Majesty subhanahu wa ta'ala and He asks, is there anyone seeking forgiveness that I can forgive them? Is there anyone asking of anything that I can grant it to them? We're looking for opportunities for our duas to be answered. It is there each and every single night for the taking. So I ask you, my dear brothers and sisters, tonight, who is going to avail that opportunity? Today, as we pray Salatul Maghrib, and we're in sajda, who is going to avail that opportunity to call upon their Lord in the closest possible position 
to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants you and I that tawfiq and makes us of those that make dua to him in times of prosperity just like we do in times of adversity and makes us of those that are forgiven and makes us of those whom have their answers dua, their, their dua is answered and have a multiple exponentially increased reward due to their patience when their dua is not answered. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us of his close slaves and grants us tawfiq to experience and live Ramadan and makes us of those who are forgiven in the month of Ramadan and freed from the hellfire and written as the inhabitants of Jannah. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.